morning and welcome. We're glad that you're here. And if you're visiting, we are very, very happy to have you with us today. We want to encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're always grateful to have num numerous visitors with us from week to week, and we appreciate so much you coming our way. It might be the case that you're looking for a church home, and as always, we invite you to consider the work here. I've said it on numerous occasions, but I know that the elders would be more than happy to answer any questions that you might have about the work here and how you might fit in and take part in the great things that are happening here at Olive Branch. We're going to be looking at Job chapter 14 in just a minute. Job chapter 14, the passage that Danton read a moment ago. We're going to begin in verse 1 and actually look at several verses down through verse 12. As we think about the theme... A synopsis of life. As we look at the scriptures, we find out, and I think that we know this by observation as well, that by way of summation, we enter into this world through birth. Job said, man who is born of woman. And then we have our existence in this life. And he talks about how we have but a few days. And then there is our exit from this life. In verse 10, he would say, but man dies. And so if you want to boil it down, we enter into this world, we live for a while, and then we die. I want us to think for just a moment or two about what Job is saying in chapter 14. In our study today, I want to begin by talking about, for a moment or two, the duration of life, the brevity of life. We begin by thinking about some reflections on life itself. Job, in a very concise way, talks about how brief our existence is here upon this earth. Back in chapter 7, he would talk about how life passes swiftly. He compares life to a single breath in chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. Over in chapter 9 at verse 29, he illustrates life and the brevity of life by describing a runner or a courier who has an important or urgent message to share. And then, of course, in chapter 14, Job would say that man who is born of woman is of few days. In verse 2, he talks about how life is like a flower that blooms or blossoms and then fades away. Furthermore, he said, Life is like a shadow that does not continue. The psalmist in the long ago said that life is soon cut off and we fly away in Psalm 90 at verse 10. And then James in James chapter 4 verse 14 compared life to a vapor that appears for a little while and then he said it vanishes away. So we understand the brevity of life. And I think in Scripture, over and over again, the Bible talks about how quickly life gets by. But what about some reflections 
from life. David in the long ago said in Psalm 37 verse 25, I was young and now I am old. The longer we live in life, the more memories we build. And as we go through life, there are certain things that will serve as a catalyst. And as a result of maybe a scent, a sight, maybe it's a picture, maybe it's a place, something happens, a song, and automatically our mind races back. We're flooded with memories. As I catalog some of the memories in my mind, just seems like yesterday when I was a little fella. I can remember being in school. I can remember playing outside as a child, going to college, the birth of our, of our child. There are so many memories that we have in this life, and you have those memories. Some years ago, I had the opportunity to visit with a friend of mine who was in the hospital, and he was dying of cancer. And he was talking about some of the memories that he had of days gone by, some good memories. And he said, you know, a fellow can live a long time on good memories. That's pretty profound. But all of us have memories in this life. But what we need to understand is, at best, life is so short, extremely brief. And I think that's why the psalmist in the long ago said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. And then there are the difficulties of life, the burdens that we share in this life. I want to begin by talking about the degree or depth of our troubles in this life. Listen again to what Job said in verse 1. Man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. We might say, by way of translation, that Job is saying life abounds with troubles. If you live long enough, you're going to have trouble in life. There are going to be a number of things that you face in this life that will sometimes literally bring you to your knees. Look at Job. There are some things that come to mind as I think about the difficulties of life. And I want to just maybe describe some of the difficulties that we face in this life. I begin by talking about our finances. Job was a wealthy man. The Bible tells us that he had seven thousand sheep, 3,000 camels. The Bible goes on to say that he had 500 yoke of oxen, 300 female donkeys. This guy was extremely wealthy. And yet in a matter of time, he lost all of his wealth. There are people in our world today that have had lots of money in the bank. They've, had, they've owned houses and cars and any number of things and literally lost it all. When we face the troubles of life and the difficulties of life, sometimes it lends insight into where we are as a human being and more importantly, where we are spiritually speaking. 
Because the trials and the troubles of life have a lot to say about our faith. We could ask the question, will the trials of life break our faith? Or can we use them as stepping stones to build our faith? Think again about Job. Here's a guy that has 7,000 sheep. He's got 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 300 female donkeys, a large household, and yet all of it taken away. How would you react? And then I think about death, the loss of a loved one. The Bible tells us that Job had 10 children, seven sons and three daughters. And again, according to Job chapter 1, he lost all of them. I can't imagine losing one child, much less ten. But this guy lost his family. Very real person. A part of this world. How'd they make it? How'd they go on? Sometimes when we read read scripture, maybe it would do us well to step back and try to step in the shoes of the writer. And listen again to what Job is saying. Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Did Job know anything about trouble? When you talk to somebody and they talk about how they can empathize with your feelings. Well, there are some people, they know where you are in life because they have been there. And Job, when he talks about life being full of trouble, abounding with trouble, let me tell you what, this guy knew what he was talking about. He went to the school of hard knocks. And then what about not just finances and the loss of a loved one? And I might point out, in John chapter 11, we read of the death of Lazarus, a friend of Jesus. And Jesus, in a very plain and emphatic way, said, Lazarus is dead. It's noteworthy that in that context, John said, Jesus wept. I suspect Job shed a lot of tears in his life. And then, what about our physical illnesses and diseases that can be so disabling in life? Did Job know anything about that? You better believe he did. The Bible says that his body was full of boils. From the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. I can't imagine the intense pain that that man was in. And so again, I asked the question, did Job know what he was talking about when he said life is full of trouble? Again, my answer is yes, he knew. Why? Because he had been there. What about the loss of support? Sometimes when we face adversity and trial and tribulation in life, it's, it's, it's good to know that people will stand with us and beside us. And yet I look at the life of Job and I think about his wife. And his wife asked the question, do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. And Job said, you speak 
as a foolish woman. Shall we not receive good at the hand of the Lord and evil? The Bible says in all this, Job sinned not. So Job understood what it was like to get down the road in life and then the very people that should have stood by him and embraced him and supported him turned their back on him, namely his own wife. In that same chapter, we read about the friends of Job that came to mourn with him and to comfort him. And the Bible says that for seven days, not one word was said because of the extreme grief that Job faced in life. I said a moment ago that the trials of life, they can, they can serve to build our faith or they can break our faith. I think that's what James is talking about in James chapter 1 when he said, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience, perseverance. He would say down in verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. In other words, here's somebody that has faced an onslaught of trials and tribulations, adversities in life, and he or she has stood the test. And the promise is the Lord will bestow on that individual a crown of life. And so there are lots of adversities that come our way. The things that we face in this life, they can break our faith or they can build our faith. There were a lot of reasons given to Job as to why he was facing some of the difficulties in his life. Those reasons were offered by his three friends. Their conclusions were erroneous. They were misguided. And yet I hear Job in chapter 13 verse 15 saying, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Please listen very carefully. There are lots of things that happen in this world. The older I become and the longer I live in this life, the more questions I have. We're all that way. And there are things that happen to people. And sometimes it seems like certain individuals are besieged with an abundance of adversities. And sometimes people will ask the question, why? Why me? Quite frankly, I don't have all the answers. I don't know why some people seem to have more difficulties than others. I do know this, that we were born into a world filled with sin. And sometimes we talk about the problems that we have in this life. Whatever those problems may be, the losses we experience because of death, the hurt, the anguish, the tears, the sadness that we feel on a regular basis. And if you want to know why, let me just sum it up in one word, sin. When sin came into the world, it changed things. Death is a result of sin. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Through one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So the problems that we have in this life, 
owe their origin to the Garden of Eden, to sin. Now, as time has progressed, the problems, the difficulties, the trials, and the tribulations, if anything, have only multiplied many, many times over. So we live in a world that is subjected to pain and suffering and trials and tribulations and death. It's just the world we live in. I said just a moment ago that sometimes people ask the question, why? I don't have a specific answer for every question. Unfortunately, sometimes people will hold God responsible for their trials, tribulations, temptations, and death. Or that is the death of a loved one. And they'll ask God, why, why, why? Nothing wrong with asking the question, why? Jesus on the cross asked the question, why? But if you want to get mad at somebody, you want to hold somebody responsible, let me tell you who to hold responsible. Let me tell you who you ought to be mad at. It's not the Lord. It's the devil. The devil's the culprit. When we talk about the trials and the tribulations that we experience in this life, everything lies at the feet of the one Jesus identified as the wicked one. Look at the trials Job was experiencing. Whose fault was that? God's? Not at all. The devil was at work. And the devil is at work today. What he wants to do is to turn your life upside down, to sift you as wheat. As Jesus said on one occasion to Simon Peter, he wants to put you through the mill. So the difficulties of life, very real. But what about our destiny after life? Job had said in verse 1, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. We talk about entering this world and our existence in this world, standing on the stage of life. There comes a time when the curtain will drop and we'll exit the stage. We'll leave. So in verse 10, here's what Job said. But man dies. The reality of death you ever thought about the fact that the ratio between birth and death has never changed? Think about that. Every person that is born into this world faces the same end. What's that end? Death. We will feel the sting of death until Jesus comes. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. One day death will end. When will that be? When Jesus comes. But right now we feel the sting of death. Job here says, but man dies and is laid away, lies prostrate. Indeed, he breathes his last. In other words, he expires. That's the footnote in the New King James Version. We face death. In Genesis chapter 5, if you want to see a history of the human family 
summed up in three words. Here it is. And he died. That's the history of man. We live and we die. We're born, we live, we die. Over and over and over again. The cycle continues. It will continue to it will continue until Jesus comes. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed that a man wants to die, after this cometh the judgment. So death is a common thing. We'll all have to walk that corridor. The beauty of it is that the Lord has promised he'll stand by us. David said in Psalm 23, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. So the reality of death. But what about the realm of the dead? Sometimes we talk about the Old Testament and, and particularly our minds contemplate eternity. Life beyond the grave. There are a lot of folks that have the idea that the Old Testament is silent when it comes to the hope that we have beyond this grave. Or rather beyond this life, but that's not the case. There is hope beyond the grave. And so, here's, here's what Job asked. Man dies and is laid away. Indeed, he breathes his last. His question. Where is he? When we step outside this veil of existence, where are we? The body, this temporal tabernacle that houses my eternal soul will have to be cared for and taken to the cemetery and placed in the ground. But what Job is asking is, where is that inward part of man? Where's the spirit? Where is the soul? Well, I think about the righteous. Those that have lived for Almighty God. Those of us that have lived for the Lord, when we step out into eternity, we go to the Hadean realm. That's the realm of the dead. And there are two places. First, the place of the righteous. It's called paradise. You remember in Luke chapter 23, verse 43, Jesus had talked to the thief on the cross. That thief said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And here's what Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Paradise is the abode of the righteous. John said, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. And their works do follow them. Those who are in paradise are at rest. They're with the Lord. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We're in the presence of God. And then, of course, in Luke chapter 16, when the veil is lifted on the realm of the dead, the Hadean realm, Jesus, in his narration of the events that transpired in the lives and deaths of the rich man and Lazarus. Talks about how Lazarus died and was born by the angels of God to the bosom of Abraham. It's my conviction based on Luke 16 that when death comes, the angels of Almighty God 
carry our spirit, our soul, to paradise or Abraham's bosom. And so to know that we can go home and be with the Lord. Do you remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 when he said, For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain? In verse 23, he would say, to depart and be with Christ is far better. Let me tell you what, there's something better than this world. I understand that we don't, we're not thrilled about the prospects of dying. I understand that. And loss, any loss, is devastating. But when we stand at the side of an open grave and we bury a loved one who died in Christ... Paul said, we sorrow not as others who have no hope. There is hope. Jesus said to Martha in the long ago, I am the resurrection and the life. I believe that. Can we believe in the words of Jesus? John said that he was instructed centuries ago to write about the new heavens and the new earth. And God said these words are true and faithful. But then there is the abode of the unrighteous. Those who have chosen not to live for God, where do they go when they die? They go to a place that is described as a place of torment. Luke 16. The rich man lifted up his eyes in torment. He's in the Hadean realm. But rather than being comforted, he's being tormented. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about the angels that sinned. And he said, God cast them down to hell, H-E-L-L. Really, in the original language, that term is spelled T-A-R-T-A-R-U-S, Tartarus. That's the abode of the unrighteous. They're separated from God. They are in a place of misery and anguish. They're in a place of suffering. So the realm of the dead... Job asked the question, when man dies, where is he? There's a third thing I want to call attention to as we think about this lesson in this, in this particular point, And that is the resurrection of the dead. What about the basis for our hope? In Job 14, 14, the question was raised, if a man dies, shall he live again? Let me answer that question for you. Yes. Yes. If a man dies, will he live again? Yes, he will. So here's what Job said in verse 11. As water disappears from the sea and a river becomes parched and dries up, so man lies down and does not rise. He's talking about death. When we step out into eternity, that physical body is placed in the grave. We breathe our last. So man lies down, does not rise. Now note, if you would, what he says. Till, that's an important word, till, T-I-L-L. Till the heavens are no more. They will not awake, nor be roused from their sleep. Job in that distant time could look all the way down into the future and see a time when the heavens would be no more. The resurrection of the just and the unjust. Here's what the Bible has to say. The Bible says that Jesus will one day come again. The graves will be opened. John chapter 5. Jesus said, Marvel not, the hour is coming when all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. 
and they'll come forth. Those that have done good to the resurrection of life and those that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Jesus has the keys to the cemetery based on Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. And let me tell you what, one day Jesus is going to take the keys to the cemetery and he's going to open them. And those graves that have been sealed up by man will be opened. Now when's that going to occur? Paul said that Jesus will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. He's talking about the resurrection. There's coming a day when the grave will give up her dead. So when we talk about life, on the one hand, we look at it from an earthly perspective. And here's the perspective. We're born, that is we enter this world, we live or we exist, and we exit. But that's not the end. I understand when we bury loved ones, they're gone. They're gone from our presence, but just for a time. Because one day the Lord's coming again. And when he comes, the graves will be opened. And we'll go home to be with the Lord. You know, sometimes, sometimes life is tough. And there are times when a certain day, maybe a week or so, will prove to be more difficult than others. I want to tell you what. The past week or so have been really tough. Been really tough. I say that as a human being, as a Christian, and as a preacher. It's been a tough week. And I have human emotions just like everybody else. And we've lost some good people over the past week. I felt like I needed this lesson as much as anybody. Because sometimes I need to remind myself that there's something better that awaits us. I mentioned a moment ago, I don't have all the answers when it comes to the grief that people feel. But I know that their grief is great. I know that Job, what he went through, I, I can't begin to put into words. I can't begin to tell you what that man experienced in this life. And yet James said, you have heard of the perseverance of Job in chapter 5. What we have to do is keep our focus on the Lord. We have to have the faith of Job. And we have to look at the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties of life. We have to look at them for what they are, temporary. And have the faith of Job. And say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. There's a better place. I promise you. And there are some people in that 
in that other realm, that realm of Hades. I look forward to seeing one day. And through the eye of faith, I know that I'll see them. And you will too. We're separated for now. Hope you understand that, for now. But one day we'll be reunited. And so, here's the exhortation. If you're a Christian, be faithful until death. The promise is the crown of life. I want to ask you this question. If you've lost somebody who died in Christ, don't you want to be with them? Your answer is yes, I know. I know you want to be with them. Why? Because you love them. If they died in Christ and you want to be with them, then you have to do what they did. All today who want to go to heaven, here's what they have to do. The terms of admission, same for everybody. Number one, believe Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. Repent of your sins, just like they did on Pentecost Day. Repent, be baptized, every one of you. Every person has to repent, turn from a life of sin. Then to confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, Jesus is the Son of God, Acts chapter 8, verse 37. And then be immersed in a watery grave of baptism, rising to walk in newness of life, having the assurance that every sin has been washed away, Acts 22, 16. If you'll do that, you're well on your way to seeing your loved ones again, to being in heaven. If you're unfaithful to his cause, could I plead with you to come home? I want you to know that God still loves you. He's interested in your welfare. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Sometimes we lose our way in life. How do we get back home? Turn back to the Lord. Confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you come as we stand and sing?